Hello, everyone, and welcome to Talking Transfers from the 90 Min Podcast Network. It is the January transfer window, and it's going crazy. Led by Chelsea FC, Todd Burley's Chelsea. Uh, we'll be kicking off the show today talking about just how crazy Chelsea are behaving in the transfer market under their new owner. I'm Scott Saunders, joined by 90 Min's transfer correspondent, Graham Bailey, 90 Min's top cat, Toby Cudworth, and our Chelsea man, Tom Gott who has a lot to talk about today. Uh, Tom, been a little while since you appeared on the pod. Uh, how bad is it at Chelsea at the moment? Or is I... it great? You're signing loads of new players. That's what all the fans want. I do not want to talk about it. That is how bad it's been. It's It's been really rough. And I, I know if you look at the fixtures, like Man City, they're never going to be easy games, but getting rolled over by them so aggressively with having no idea what the team were looking to do. But it's not even against the big... It's not even only the big teams that are doing that. It's the littler teams. It just just doesn't seem like anyone top to bottom has any idea what's happening at the minute. And it's been so, it's been rough. So let's go and blow 20 million euros on a Xiao Felix loan for six months. Yeah, exactly. That is the answer. Toby, how are you there? I'm all right, mate. West Ham beat Brentford in the FA Cup, so I'm feeling chipper, even though we're uh, many Premier League games without a win. Tom's making me feel better. It seems like Chelsea are in bigger crisis and disarray, so all is good. Fantastic. Graham, you're, uh, you must be busy. Yeah, it hasn't stopped. Actually, it's been very busy. I enjoyed the Middlesbrough's heavy cup defeat on Saturday, but I, I, I didn't not enjoy it because Brighton played some of the best football I've seen all season. They were absolutely fantastic. So, Matt, just think, Caicedo, Caicedo was absolutely amazing. How, in how long until Chelsea go and get Roberto De Zerbi is the question? I wonder. Well, I must admit, I've all the time that's the best I've ever seen Brighton play, ironically. Um, well, it's it's, it's not ironic. No, it's, if you if if you think deserves a better manager, it's not surprising at all, and I know a lot of people do. Um, but yeah, they were hugely impressive. And to be fair, it is Graham Potter's team, but yeah, they were they were great. Tom, like I say, we'll be talking about Chelsea. And if you don't want to talk about Chelsea, you've come to the wrong place. Uh, please subscribe on all your major podcast platforms, Apple, Google, Spotify, and the likes, and follow us on Twitter at underscore Scott Saunders, at Toby underscore Cudworth, at Graham Bailey, and at Tom Got Two. Tom, who's Tom Got One? Why have you got my, a two? My arch rival, Tom Got One. I have no idea, to be honest. It just wasn't available. So just went for the next number. Fair play. Fair play. Uh, let's talk. Let's. I don't know how long this section is going to be on Chelsea, but I'm sure anybody listening might be fascinated to talk about. So let me get, I haven't even got a list, but Chelsea have signed Wesley Fofana this summer. They've signed who's been injured for the duration of his Chelsea career so far for Harry Maguire money, by the way, this is not like your 30 million normal signing. They've also now signed. Uh, there's going to be players that I'm missing out. I'm just recalling off the top of my head. Benoit Badia-Shile, who signed a seven-ish year contract and is a work in progress. That's a guarantee of money for seven years. His career can just go whichever way he takes it. If it works out, great. If it doesn't, then I'm sure Chelsea can sell him down the line. They're looking at signing every false nine under the sun. They've tried to sign Enzo Fernandez, who moved for 14 million euros just six months ago. They're interested in Marcus Turam. Jao Felix is on the verge of joining Chelsea, even though they already have a ton of forwards who are creative and young and they can't get the best out of. So just add another one to the mix. Romeo Lavia is also on the agenda as well. Who shall I come to first? Uh, Graham, let's let's start with you. What the hell's going on? It's really interesting, isn't it? I think um, the project that Jao Felix mentioned we may not see come to full fruition until the summer. It, it, it's it's a it's it's a strange situation, you know. They've got a lot going on. We see the talks with Jorginho and Kante, which we haven't mentioned as well. In, I think this is all. I I think the transfers have been blown a little bit. I I think it's the performances on the pitch that are the real concern here for Chelsea. I think it's the way that Potter is not getting a reaction out of this team. I think the was it eight different formations in 17 games something like that it's I, I was expecting more from Graham Potter you know don't get me wrong I wasn't expecting him to win the league this year but I thought he would be a bit Eddie Howish I thought he would get them 
organised. I thought they would believe in him, but it doesn't look like the players believe in him. Um, I think that's the major concern here for Chelsea. All these transfers, yeah, we see it with big clubs a lot of the time where they're in and out. But and, and all these players who talk about Scott, they are, they are they are good players, and you know they are. Man United have proven for a decade you can sign good players and it doesn't always work. And mm. I'm just going to come to Tom. I know you don't want to talk about Chelsea, but I'm going to ask you. There's a, a history, a recent history of managers or assistant managers who've questioned Chelsea's motivation. Am I right? Yeah. And so to bring Graham Potter into the mix now with largely the same amount of players plus more who they're spending hundreds of millions of euros, hundreds of millions of pounds on. How much should Chelsea be looking at Graham Potter here? Because there are players that they're signing. They're signing so many players. How can Graham Potter have an idea of how each one of these players is going to fit into this team, let alone alongside the ones that he's already got? Yeah, it's a it's a tricky one, really, because as you say, there's been managers for years gone by. I know Maurizio Sarri, Antonio Conte, Frank Lampard, all have said of having issues motivating these players and helping them come back from these setbacks and things like that. So as much as Graham Potter's tactical performances do deserve questioning, you have to look at the track record of all these managers. And Conte and Sarri, the, these are like big, big managerial names who have said there is something fundamentally wrong with this squad. And as much as there has been a lot of turnover, a lot of the core players in the squad are the same as they were those all those years ago. And it seems now we're really starting to see the impact of those players who are perhaps getting a little bit older, losing the athleticism, and with the contract situations, maybe just taking that little bit of a step back. And it's it's getting it's getting bad and i think that's why you're starting to see this transfer scramble because there's been so many years of this issue not being addressed that now when it's all come together in this absolute storm of just chaos the owners are going like right we can't keep doing this anymore because we're dropping down the league and we're like we're not even getting conference league football at this at this rate so it just it needs doing realistically it should have been done split up over the last four or five years really but it wasn't and now Todd Burley's come in and is he probably is he's panicking with all these signings and he should be really it's it's got that bad well he stepped down from his role as interim sporting director uh according to some news this week uh he's employed people to make those decisions for him and do that kind of business for him but obviously I think a present that he might have left might be Jao Felix in his last final act as uh, the transfer guy. Um, we'll talk about Jao Felix in a second and where we're at with that. Uh, maybe expecting that one to be done quite quickly. But Toby, are Chelsea Man United? Yeah, well, they're displaying characteristics of Man United's behaviour of years gone by. For me, the big problem at Chelsea, and I've said it for a long time, is there's no continuity with who's in charge. If you're changing your manager every 18 months, two years, the players don't really have a long-term project to believe in. They're just kind of signing up for immediate short-term success and then they'll just see whether or not they survive uh, the next managerial change and whether or not they fit into the plans. And it just feels like, yeah, the culture of the club has always been, we'll play to win. And if we don't win, well, we'll just try something else. And that must be unnerving for the playing staff, but... It is unusual that not a single manager that's gone in there has been able to shake this we can't motivate the players tag. So fundamentally, there needs to be an issue. I don't think the answer is behaving in the boardroom the way that Chelsea are or trying to splash the cash like they are because, again, it doesn't really fill the current players with much confidence, does it, that their place is secure. They probably feel like they're going to be in and out of the team. It's a bit of a car crash situation and United have... When was the last time they won the league, Scott? Ten years ago? Ten years this year. Yeah, so I know Chelsea aren't on that stretch, but if they continue to kind of float along like this and spend money willy-nilly, give out six, seven-year contracts to players, you can see them going down a similar path. Um, and I just don't see how that's sustainable for Graham Potter. What's happening now in this January transfer window, I can't see any of it being sanctioned by him, and I think that's what... The most crazy thing about it 
is that he probably doesn't have a say in a number of the deals that are going ahead or the players that they're going after. Uh, Graham, so I mentioned earlier Enzo Fernandez has been publicly chased by Chelsea, moved for 14 million-ish euros six months ago, has won the World Cup and is now apparently, I know the deal isn't happening from my understanding, but Chelsea were willing to pay some kind of equivalent to the release clause in instalments. The deal has been pretty much ruled out by Benfica. Is is that the case? Um, it, that doesn't really scream to me as fix a motivation problem when you give a 21, 22-year-old lad who's just won the World Cup millions and millions of pounds over the course of a few a few years and give him, you know, that kind of that kind of reward for a good six months. You know, I'm not I'm not saying I don't rate Enzo Fernandez, I think he's brilliant, but where are we with that one? Let's start with Enzo. Yeah. Can I start on Graham Potter? I think he is a very, the United and Chelsea similarity does begin there because if you appoint a bad manager with a CV where he shouldn't have got the job, I Oli Gunnar Solskjaer at United, I now Potter at Chelsea, he did not have a CV to get this job. It's a bad appointment. So I think there is similarities there where Oh, can we can we just dig into this? Well, this is a this it, is an interesting turn. I didn't expect. Well, I was going to come to Graham Potter later. Let's do Graham no, Potter now, if you want. But I just, I just, I, I just don't think he ever had the CV to get the Chelsea job. What one of the biggest jobs in Europe is there? Will will I'm sure the job advert would have read become manager of one of the biggest clubs in in the world. And and what what had Graham Potter done to warrant that job? Guiding Brighton to ninth is not. <laughs> for me, that's not doesn't qualified to be Chelsea manager in any way, shape or form. Yeah, he played some pretty football, but as we see now, Brighton are playing even better football now under the Zerbi. Um I think I think personally, I think it will I think he'd be very lucky to be in charge next season. I think Todd Burley will realise the mistake he's making, but he is backing him at the moment. I think we'll read the stories from from Tom later on about um the backing he's getting. But I, I, I think they'll just realise the error they've made in his appointment. I think it's a bit like, and, and, and we've seen that where United, fundamentally the problem with United was they didn't have a good enough coach. And I think that's a problem at Chelsea now. Anybody care to interject? Tom, I'll come back to you. Graham Potter, obviously not getting the results. I mean, I'm seeing fans who are saying it's the squad's fault, not the manager. We've been through this with managers over and over and over and over again. Uh, like we say, the performances are pretty abject. There's no distinct style of play. Is There's questions about if Graham Potter is the right personality, the right fit to take over this inflated squad of players who've not been performing for a number of years. Where do you stand on it? I think you need to ask questions of both Potter and the players, but purely from if you're asking about Potter, I it's a tricky one. I, I, I kind of agree with Graham in the sense that I don't think he really has the CV to come into a club like Chelsea at this point. But what he does have is a good track record of getting teams to play nice football over a good few years. And I know that's always been the ambition of the new owners. It's been to set up a long-term project where they'll play fun, fast, attacking football with a young squad. And Potter has done that at his previous teams. So you can see the logic as to why they've gone for him, especially he does have a reputation as one of the, well, he did, as one of the more exciting young managers in the game. So you can see the, the sense behind it. But at this point, with Chelsea needing something immediate and Potter's record being more of a long-term thing, it's a it's a tricky one. It's if you wanna if you wanna get to the success with Potter, you're gonna have to endure this this struggle. And I don't think Chelsea are the kind of club that can accept that a few years outside of the Champions League, missing out on the big signings because of that, not bringing in the money, all to then be good four or five years down the line? Is it? It's a gamble that you have to take. I don't think Chelsea are prepared to do Chelsea that. Chelsea are still signing João Felix, who's one of the most talented players, talented young players in Europe. Uh, Toby, just to finish up on Potter, people have been criticising the big English clubs for years for not giving English managers for not being able to break through that ceiling. Chelsea have gone and done it. Todd Bowley's put his belief in him and it's not working. I, the the big thing about this takeover was, well, Chelsea have changed. They're going to change their culture. Then they sacked Thomas Tuchel after signing Aubameyang. And within six months, perhaps less, there's talk already about they're sacking their next guy. 
you can't change the the mindset and the ethos of the club. Chelsea feel like they are um, top tier winners, or they should be competing in every competition that they enter. Graham Potter's record, as Graham's alluded to, took Brighton to a ninth place finish. He's not working with the same profile of players when he's at the Amex. He was signing players who were perhaps using Brighton as a stepping stone, so to speak. Mark Kukurea, Moises Caicedo, Alexis McAllister, all extremely talented players, but we all know they're going to move on from Brighton. Kukurea already has. Caicedo Great signing that was, by the way. For I didn't even mention Kukurea. But they will take the next steps in their career. Potter's now at a club where Chelsea is the step where those players reach. He's not developing players. He's not given the time to develop players. When you're at a team like Chelsea, you need the players to be purpose-made, ready to handle the big stage that they're on. Um, and playing for Chelsea and playing for Brighton's like chalk and cheese. And I think Brighton's record signing is the now-retired Enoch Muepu for just over £20 million. Pounds. Potter didn't have a history of signing players for lots of money. Obviously, Brighton don't. I think he signed Adam Webster um, and perhaps Estepinan from Villarreal. But apart from that, Potter is not a big spending manager. He signed players for nominal fees, developed them and turned them into better players. Chelsea will never be afforded time to, to do that model, even though they've signed Jatro Fafana. That kind of aligns with that, but he'll probably be expected to make an immediate impact or he just won't get a chance, will he? Chelsea will look to sign a Jao Felix or a big-name striker. It, it's just a blend that you don't think is going to work long-term. And I know we all clamour to see somebody like Potter be given the opportunity, but you've got to have the foundation of some success. You've got to win a trophy or do something to show that you're able to make that step up. Unfortunately, I don't think Potter did that, and it's shown in the first 16, 17 games that he might be a little out of his depth. Uh, big fixtures coming up for Chelsea, which you would generally expect them to win. I would imagine the pressure will increase on Potter if they don't, for whatever reason. Let, let's talk actual players, Graham. Mm. Uh, Enzo Fernandez, we talked about a little bit. Uh, is this one off? And I'll come to João Felix in a second. No, George Mendes is still very much trying to work on Enzo Fernandez. Um so don't be surprised if we see a bit more come about this week where they're back in talks. We know Chelsea's first efforts, it angered Benfica. Obviously, the, the manager came out, but as we know, with the, the way the, these foreign clubs work. And Chelsea work on this aspect now where it, it's a hierarchy of signing players, etc. So I don't think it's a massive judgment sometimes for managers not to be that involved. But in terms of Enzo fans, no, they haven't given up on him. They know the player wants to come and... I think Chelsea will be looking back to the Tumani situation where who knows where Fernandez is going to be in 12 months. He might be one of the best players in Europe by then, playing for Barcelona, Real Madrid or City or United, whoever. I don't think Chelsea can risk not doing it now. But that, think, that was, that was what, a 40 million euro deal at the time? Yeah, but the aspect... The this is, is 120? Yeah, but does that really matter to Chelsea in the long term? Or any Premier League club? It probably club? does, though. You mean, you throw in that much money around and mm. put in all of this extra pressure. Look at Anthony at Man United. Mm. How much criticism he's getting because of the amount of money that he's cost. Yeah, it does. It will pile the pressure on the player, no doubt. And obviously, Chelsea are hoping that it'll be in some sort of installments. But yeah, I think this one isn't dead, Scott. The um, Judge May is working on Chelsea's behalf on this deal. He's working hard. He's talking to Rui Costa at Benfica. He's proven he's um he, he's a very tough tough negotiator, and he's not going to let Chelsea ride roughshod over them. So, uh yeah, this one isn't dead. Not the next week or so, a bit more will come out on this, and we'll see whether Benfica are going to relent at all, or whether Chelsea are going to up their offer. Joe Felix, uh, Graham, I'll come back to you. Tom, I'll come to you in a second. Uh, this one's happening. Uh, why? No, I, I mean he's a great player. Like I'll, I'll put it out there, I I really rate him. I think he's very a really good player. I just don't think he's exactly what Chelsea need at the moment because they have a lot of players in there of similar profiles who aren't delivering. So you're what you're just going to add another one to the mix and pay tw what twenty million euros over the course of six months without an option. It's crazy to me, Graham. Yeah, it's a really interesting one. I do wonder whether they'll play him centrally, maybe. I'm thinking as a false sniper, as you said, they've got quite a lot of players who can play in that role. Uh, it's, yeah, and, and I don't think the loan thing, you know, where 
as as we said on the show last week, it, it was either going to be for Jao Felix. We, we, everyone knew you were either taking him without an option, which is what Chelsea have done, or you were taking him with the massive mandatory fee. And we said that, didn't we? So last week, it, there was going to be no um, option. It was either going to be the mandatory fee at the end of the thing or no option at all. Arsenal and Man United, who were sniffing as well, didn't like the look of this deal. Um, so Chelsea have gone through with it. Yeah, I... I think this. I don't, I'm not sure of the reasoning. I just think, how can we go wrong by adding another good player? Is probably a thinking. Is he too good not to come in? Will he be in Chelsea's one to eleven? Tom can answer that. I presume they might have. John, what if a Sterling injury is serious? They might have landed on the feet with a direct replacement. Tom. Yeah, I mean, for a for a club with Chelsea's finances, I'll say. I don't really hate the deal. I know it's it doesn't make a lot of sense in the long term, but if you think if Chelsea are now trying to rescue the season and finish in the top four, spending 20 million euros on someone who potentially could get them up to the top four, obviously would need a bit more support as well. But if Chelsea finish in the Champions League spots this season, that's 20 million euros well spent. And you'll say it's a masterstroke and a genius move to, to salvage Chelsea's season. So I don't really mind it. A will... I think he will start for Chelsea, especially because none of the other attackers seem anywhere good enough to start at the minute. Isn't Kai Havertz a generational talent? Oh, he's it's getting tough. It's getting really tricky watching him. And it's it's he's quite a similar player to Felix in the sense of he's you don't you still don't really know what he is as a player. Is he a striker? Is he a midfielder? Is I heard he someone call him uh, the German the sorry, the uh, the new version of Mesut Ozil. And I thought it was quite a good reason like the yeah. forward version of Mesut Ozil where He's capable of beating any team on his day, as we saw in Champions League final, isn't he? But he's just lacking consistency, isn't he? Exactly. He'll always be remembered as a player who did make the impact on the biggest stage. But if you're not doing it apart from on that stage, the Champions League final stage, you, like, you have to be scoring goals against your Nottingham Forests and your Bournemouths and things. If, you, if you're going to make it, you can't just find the back of the net once against Man City and call yourself a legend. So it's it's tough. There's a, a fans are, are really starting to turn on to, turn on Havertz because of his inconsistency, and I think that's why people like Felix are being looked at because he just needs maybe that time out of the limelight or something else just to change how Chelsea play, in the hope that it gets the best out of everyone. Well, he's not a goal scorer, is he, Tom? I'm looking at his. I was just going to come to there, Toby. So eight eight league goals last season for Atletico Madrid, and this season four in the league in fourteen games. Yeah, it's sorry, Toby. He's not, I don't think he's being looked at as a direct goal scorer, though, which is Chelsea can't score goals. <laughs> this Chelsea is... can't score goals, no. <laughs> I think the main issue with that is is behind the attacking line, though. And it was the same as Lampard's time. You know, they were they were making they just weren't they weren't getting the ball into the right areas. And you can look at the strikers all you want for it. And don't get me wrong, the strikers have been nowhere near good enough. But they're not really getting the service that they should be getting. And that's why a lot of fans were excited to see someone like Enzo Fernandez come in, that player who just will do something a bit different. And Felix is obviously not the same player as Fernandez, but he is a player who will do something a little out of the ordinary that might just be what it takes to get Chelsea over the line. Is he is he definitely going to play up front, Tom? I mean, this is the hilarious thing I could conceivably see. João Felix come in and he plays on the left and you continue to play Havertz. As a force, Havertz notably I mean, not a goal scorer. But we don't well. know what form. I think Potter, we you don't, Tom. You even even as a Chelsea diehard, you couldn't stake your mortgage on. You couldn't even predict what Potter's next formation is going to be, let alone the team. You don't no even know clue. what formation he's going to play. Absolutely, yeah. You've seen three at the back, four at the back, three midfield, two. That midfield, was heralded one of Graham Potter's plus points when he was at Brighton. However, sorry, Tom. yeah, it's it's. It is a, it's a thing that you need to be able to do in games, but it almost feels like it's a bit of panic and the changes are coming after something goes wrong for Chelsea rather than to make something go right. It's, oh, we're getting hammered down the left side, let's change this. Oh, now we're getting hammered down the right, let's change that. And never, like, how can we go forwards? How can we score a goal? It's all just panicking because someone else is running at them and they don't know what to do. So we got... Kai Havertz, so we're not getting the most out of. You signed Raheem Sterling, who's injured, whose primary best position is off the left-hand side. Now you're looking at bringing Zhao Felix into the mix and you don't know where you're going to play him. And uh, also Marcus Turam is on the agenda and he is attracting interest from a number of clubs, also including Chelsea, and he's predominantly a left-sided player who can play up front. 
No, somebody two, make two it make sense to, to me. Two times a centre forward. If you look at his stats, he's played every single game for Gladbach as a centre forward this season. Every single start as a centre forward. I think Tiram has been looked at firmly as a number 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 nine. Dare I ask what Marcus Tiram's goal scoring record is? Yeah, something. It's only this season. I think, I think it's only. Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. He's really been that, doing that. Is the quite thing? Well. Yeah, he's having that. As the Americans would say, he's having a contract season, isn't he? Yeah. Which hey, what better time to have it than the year you're out of contract? It's the best time to have one, isn't it? But he, yeah, but, he's but he would have best season, Graham. He scored ten goals yeah. in fifteen. He yeah, never scored ten goals before and, in a season. And and, and Toby, that, that that there's a reason he's at Gladbach in Gladbach in the first place. And he's at what is he twenty five? And he's at Gladbach. Everyone, yeah, not, he's not coming for Real Madrid, is he? Forty one goals in one hundred and nineteen appearances for Borussia Mönchengladbach. Marcus Thuram. So he's out of contract in the summer. Having a contract season as you dub it. Uh Tom, uh, your name's on this story on nightmen.com. Where where are we with this? Yeah, so Chelsea have been looking at Turam for a while. Obviously, with him being out of contract in the summer, it's a one of those bargains that you might be able to to find. There's a lot of clubs interested in him, as you say, with with 10 goals this season, there's gonna be. Chelsea are looking to get a deal done in January. Obviously, they need a goal scorer right now. But Just the issue with Toram, David Datchel for Farman as well. The issue with Toram is he's 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 yet to decide what he wants to do in the long term or the short term, really. Because obviously, if you hang around till the summer, more clubs will be interested. There might be a bigger contract on offer. But if you don't take the move to Chelsea now, what if you get injured? What if other teams find other options, and all of a sudden you you lose that chance to go play for a big club who can give you big money? So. He's making his decision. Chelsea are firmly trying to convince him that January is the time to move. But it's one of those that's still up in the air at the minute. One thing I can guarantee you about Marcus Chiram, if he went to Chelsea, he'd be out of the team by this point next year. He's not going to be a regular starter. And that's where, as a player, I would look at that and think, hmm, is there any long-term benefit in joining Chelsea now? The obvious answer is no. But he might get a run in the team for five, six months until the summer, until Chelsea then go and spend some more money. But he's not good enough, is he? Let's be honest, he's not good enough. I'll just take someone who can score at this point. Just give me six months of reliable putting the ball in the net and then we can... I, I don't think you're getting that. Of, may, maybe I'm wrong. Uh, but if Marcus Turam joins Chelsea, his career has not suggested that he is that player. You also have Obama Yang there. And I know there's... I'm not going to get started. Let's move to Romeo Lavia, Tom. Yeah, Lavia. I'm a, I'm a big fan of Lavia. He obviously was... I've been following him since his days in the youth football. He was far too good for Man City's academy, that level. He was crying out for a Premier League move in the summer and got it with Southampton, obviously, who brought in Joe Shields from Man City's academy recruitment team. And... Chelsea did go for him in the summer after he made that move to Southampton. I think he joined Southampton for what, an initial 11 million, something like that. And then Chelsea were going, trying to quadruple that at least. And Southampton was saying, no, we don't want to get rid of him. He's obviously a big part of the future. But Chelsea are looking to go for him again. Big fans of him, even outside of Joe Shields, who is coming to Chelsea. He's expected to start work fairly soon. And there is hope that they'll convince Southampton to do a deal, but it's going to be an expensive one and it's going to be one of those that gets scrutinised because Lavia has played nine Premier League games at this point, I think. And he might be going for maybe 50 million if Chelsea get their way, which is excessive, shall we say. Sorry for the... If you're a Chelsea fan listening to this, I'm really sorry. I'm I'm coming across as quite negative. Um, I like the Tom take. Tom's really happy. He what he wants. He wants Fernandez. He wants Joe Felix. He wants Lavia. I like Declan it. Rice as well. Yeah. Are we going to be Declan, talking about Declan Rice? Bring him in. Yeah, it's, it's a lot. We can't of play all these players. We can't be down them because in... the Chelsea fans are happy with it. It's an Aussie men will come in as well. It's hey, if you're a Chelsea fan, it's great. You know, it's just matter who do you put on your shirt. That's the only problem. Because <laughs> the happiness stems from the fact that we might finally be getting rid of these players who you just feel are yeah. underperforming. Like, I'd, if you look in, in midfield where most of the criticisms are coming from, Jorginho is a regular target for the, the Chelsea fans and he, he hasn't been up to his level at all. Kovacic is a bit inconsistent. That's a problem there. He was the best midfielder in the world six months ago, according to the Chelsea fans. Like Dennis Zachariah is the best midfielder in the yes. world these days. Yeah. I said, give me that permanent option. 
in a heartbeat <laughs> compared to over anyone in Chelsea's current midfield. Zachariah would be my first name on the team sheet. And that's, with all due respect to Zachariah, that kind of tells you where Chelsea are at. And that's why as fans are saying, that please means you, get that, us. That sums up, you do, you do need Fernandes and Lavia. If, if Zachariah, yeah. if he is first name team sheet, that sums up, you do need these players, actually. He has been brilliant the last few weeks, Zachariah. Can't, can't fault it, but... Yeah, that's that's where we're at, and that's why Chelsea fans are saying, "Please sign midfielders, please sign forwards," because it's it's getting desperate. So has he, has he looked so good, Tom? Though because Chelsea have been so bad, and there's been nothing else positive to take out of any of those games, particularly the drubbings. You it's definitely helped. Any flick, trick, turn, somebody who can control the ball is suddenly looking good for Chelsea, and that is obviously not the standard or not the lens that you need to be looking at. I'm not saying you're doing that, but. It feels to me that somebody who couldn't even get on the bench for the first three months is suddenly being heralded as a bit of a a midfield saviour in the last few weeks. It just feels like a mass exaggeration to me. No, it definitely will have helped, obviously, when you're standing out among such a underwhelming crowd. But there's been some comparisons to to John Obi Mikel for the way of his he just kind of takes control of games and just seems like he knows what he's doing. And that's that's the bare minimum that Chelsea fans are asking for and just don't seem to be getting from the majority of the squad. That's someone who just turns up to a game and says, yeah, go on, then I'll give this a go. We're not, right. We haven't been getting that. We, we spent the entire time on Chelsea so far. Let's, let's finish off with... So are Chelsea going to sign Mudrick as well, Graham? Or what, are Arsenal going to stump up the money... Yeah, Chelsea aren't going to sign him. No, obviously, as we reported last week, it was always Arsenal's belief that they, were, they would get the player. Obviously, we reported as well. They were a bit, a bit miffed, for want of a better word, at the at Shakhtar. They felt they were Chelsea. They were using Chelsea to try and drum up Arsenal interest or try and manoeuvre them into making a higher bid. Talks are ongoing. You know, it's it's becoming a bit of a saga. We know the player is desperate to go to Arsenal. Arsenal just won't budge though, you know. There's still there's still a little bit of a difference here, at least ten million euros, at least more, I'm told. And um yeah, this one still could have a few weeks left in it, unfortunately. <laughs> but um yeah, Arsenal internally remain confident that they will get Mudrick. And obviously now that Jao Felix has gone to Chelsea, their interest in Mudrick has is waned somewhat. I can't believe we've just said Chelsea are not interested in a player anymore. Uh We've done a we've done a big section on Chelsea. If you're listening and you are a Chelsea fan or you have anything to say on Chelsea at underscore Scott Saunders at Toby underscore Cudworth at Graham Paley at Tom Got Two, you can get in touch with us on the Twitter. And uh yeah, I'm sure we'll have more updates on the next talking transfers as well. And keep an eye on 90min.com for every story that we get on Chelsea's interest in X player. Uh, so we've done Mudrick and Arsenal. There was a brief touch on Arsenal there. Um, I'm sure we'll talk Mudrick in more depth when things develop, but obviously that is, that is the latest. Let's he's, move he's to... He's set to link up, Scott. The only update on him, he's set to link up with Shakhtar on their, on their summer summer training camp in Turkey, I believe. He's been... Winter? Winter training camp. Yeah, summer. Yeah. It's going this way. They're They're mid-season. Is it mid-season for you? Yeah, warm weather training camp yeah, or something in Turkey, like that. Yeah, yeah. where well, a lot of teams are, are doing it at the moment. Yeah, he's, he's due to link up with Shakhtar, so he's not going on strike. We can confirm that. Let's, let's move to Spurs, shall we? Uh, latest on Spurs. A few transfer targets to, to discuss. Let's start with, since we've done Brighton a bit already, let's start with Leandro Trossard, Graham. Yeah, we, we did a piece on Trossard, I think, I think it was last week. You know, he he's the one player who Brighton may let go in January from, from what I hear. McAllister isn't moving, Caicedo, both are not moving this, this, this January. Trossard is the one we revealed that they took up the option on him, which they have done, which takes him to 2024. The player isn't necessarily going to agitate for a move. We've been told that from people close to his camp. But, you know, I think if, if bids come in, they are eager for Brighton to listen. Um, And we know Newcastle have a long-standing interest by Dan Ashworth. He likes the player, thinks he would fit in well there. But Tottenham is showing an interest as well. They they obviously want some attacking options. And um, and they've, there's been tentative talks with Trossard's people to let them know they're interested. But Brighton are, are such, such good negotiators. It's a tough one. You know, I think... I think Tottenham Newcastle would be looking at 
30 million ish, but that's nowhere near. I, th- I think the rumors we're hearing is it's approaching 40 50. And if that is the case, Trossard won't be leaving. So it depends on Brighton's and, and what they deserve. He wants, and at the moment, deserve saying he isn't moving. So there is interest in Trossard, but it may be difficult to get him out in January. Sporting's uh, Pedro Porro and former Spurs uh, Academy lad Marcus Edwards are also on the agenda for Tottenham as well. How are Tottenham going to approach it this month, uh, Graham? Because I know they've been looking for a right wing back for a while. Mm. Uh, You know, I I don't need to tell you that Spurs fans are dissatisfied with Emerson Royale. Uh, I'm sure you know that if you follow football in any sense. Pedro Porro, Marcus Edwards. Yeah, as we... It's not. It's open secret. They wanted a right wing back and attacking one since last January. Since they, remember, if we if we look back a year ago, they agreed terms with Adama Traore before he's moved to Barcelona. They agreed personal terms, just couldn't agree between the clubs. He's still a player to like and is available this month as well. So a right wing back is a priority that he wants, and he wants a forward. We just talked about Trossard. He wants someone who can play in a few roles and maybe a central midfielder with a bit more um, attacking intent. They're they're the positions he wants. Uh, what we understand anyway. So, yeah, Poro, he's a right back. He was very high on the list, but Sporting and, and Ruben Amarim said, no, if you want him, you're going to have to pay his release clause, which is around 45 million euros. Um, and it, it's a similar fee for um, Edwards, who would fill that attacking midfield role, the creativeness, but Tottenham have a 50%, I think it's 50% buyback on, on the release clause. So basically they can get him half price if they like him. And they do like them both. Whether they're willing to pay that money in January again, it remains to be seen. I think they are going to look at a few options, but yeah, I don't think they're getting Poro this month because Sporting just won't do business unless someone pays forty-five million. I don't think Tottenham are um, inclined to do that unless they can get rid of the aforementioned Mister Emerson um, Royale, who um, I think a few Spurs fans would gladly offer him a taxi ride to the airport. I'm sure Adama Traore's name will come back up at some point this mm-hmm. month in relation to Spurs. Uh, we did so long on Chelsea. Then I have to start like uh, motoring through a little bit. Uh, let's let's do Man United. Tom, do you fancy having a laugh at the Wout Weghorst deal? <laughs> Just nice to laugh at another club. It's a, is it it's la- a... is it a laughing matter? I'll put that. I'll put this across to everyone. Well, do you like it? Well, you're Scott, you're the best player. As a United fan, you you do you like the the idea? Or would you, would you rather just sign Cody Gakpo in the first place rather than mess around with all this? Or Veghorst, do you like him? I was never on board with the Cody Gakpo deal. Really, I think it was the the profile of player that I, mean, I know Eric Ten Hag wants him or wanted him. Well, against your uh, manager already, it's terrible. I know, I know. But if he'd have signed, I would have been on board with it. Uh, the way that I look at it is, I think United have a problem position in the striking department and they are not going to sign that optimal player in uh, January. So the market's limited at the moment and they, I think they're best off kind of looking at temporary options and somebody like uh, Wout Weghorst, as funny as people might make it and think, oh my God, Man United have finished. Man United have been finished for years. This is the least finished. I think Man United have looked in a decade the way they're going at the moment. If Ten Hag is on board with this, then it's fine with me. I think what that course can offer is a short-term fix, a plaster, a different alternative option to what they have, an aerial threat, some mad pressing statistics. Uh, and if you look into look into it deeply, Eric Ten Hag likes a presser. Uh, so I think it makes a lot of sense, especially if it's on a six-month loan deal, relatively cheap. The Glazer family are selling or want additional investment. I'm a, I'm one of the biggest critics of the Glazers, like, like Man United fans are, but even I can see that there's not really any sense for the Glazers to go and spend 50 million quid when the cash position is not great. When they're going to sell the club in three months, if it, if it closes up in Q1 or something like that, then United have a fresh start and they can pick their primary choice for their next striker in the summer. What they need is an alternative uh, to Anthony Martial, uh, so Marcus Rashford doesn't have to play through the middle if Martial get if Martial gets injured. I think Veghorst is a different kind of threat. Op- offers an aerial option. Ten Hag likes Scott, cetera, isn't it? Look, he got he got the best out of Sebastian Haller, which has told me exactly. It's yeah. not an easy job. He turned Sebastian Haller into what a fifty million pound striker, and so and Veghorst is very very similar them to aren't they? Very similar. 
Yeah, I think this is where I was going to go with that. I mean, to me, it's not costing a lot of money. His wages aren't going to be massive. Uh, there might be, from what we understand, I don't think there is going to be a, a buying in there. But if a small buying option does come up, then and you still go and get a striker anyway. I don't think Valt Veghorst is a bad option to have as a second or third choice striker, especially he's a game changer. You saw it at the World Cup, right? And I think the way that it is, United are planning short term. I think that's what, because the options aren't there at the moment. The cash isn't there at the moment. I'm fully on board with, uh, I've said this on other podcasts, go and get Harry Kane in the summer. If, if Spurs don't get in the top four, I think Harry Kane makes way, way too much sense for what Ten Hag wants at the moment. But I'll pass it over. Is this funny, Tom? Well, to be honest, I've, I've got to admit, I am actually a, quite a fan of Weghorst. And people are laughing at it because if you look at his track record, he scored two goals in 20 games for Burnley. And that doesn't, on paper, that sounds like an awful signing for a, a Man United or, or a big side. But People are forgetting just how much every team hated to play against him. Even even, even United last season. Exactly. Well, I remember your, your Chelsea. I was at Turf Moor, Tom, for the Chelsea game against Rudigan Silva when they were the best defensive thing. He gave them an absolute torrid time. Because exactly. Like he, he might not score that many goals, but what he does is he terrorizes defenders. And he, he even if he's just taking defenders away from Anthony or Rashford or Martial, if he just is that busy body who just bullies a defender, pushes him out of the way, and then lets Rashford go score, it's a success. He doesn't need to score. If he scores two goals for the second half of this season, but allows Rashford to score 10, it's a success. Absolutely. I think if United get top four and Veghorst contributes or he doesn't, I think this deal is a success. Uh, Toby, your initial reaction was lol, wasn't it? It was lol, but that's just because you like to laugh at what you perceive to be a panic buy. But when you go into the detail, like you've already alluded to, he ticks a lot of boxes. I said Eric Ten Hag on the pod last week wouldn't go for a short-term gap if he just felt like it was a plaster for the sake of being a plaster. But Veghorst does the things that Ten Hag likes. And Burnley are not Manchester United. There's no point looking at his two-in-20 goal-scoring record. They're completely different teams. Do you, do you think down. as well, he's, he's been pigeonholed in a Sean Dyche Burnley ball because he's yeah. six foot six, you know, that probably has contributed to his lack of... You can see, I know it's, a, it's an easier league, but he's scoring pretty well for Besiktas at the moment. Absolutely. In a good team, same as Sebastian Allaire, who struggled badly at West Ham, but West Ham were a negative defensive team who were in a relegation battle for the majority of Allaire's time. You don't tend to score many goals when a team is struggling that badly, and West Ham were dropping deeper and deeper much like Burnley were doing last season. Burnley liked to play on the counter-attack and it was very much long ball, trying to use his physical attributes rather than pressing the opposition into making a mistake. So Veghorst at United would be a completely different proposition. If it does a job for six months and gets Ten Hag through to the summer where a sale has potentially gone through and they can look at someone like Harry Kane, great. But the other thing to remember here is that Veghorst wouldn't go in to be a regular starter. He would be there to be a squad option and to be a rotation option and to provide something different when needed. But he's not being looked at to be the answer to getting United top four. But he could be a good short term, get United the object or get United to fulfill their objectives between now and the end of the season. I tweeted this morning that this player is filling the role that Cristiano Ronaldo filled before Christmas, but with willing, <laughs> you know, he might even outscore Ronaldo in the second half of the season. And in fact, I'm going to probably bet that he will compared to what Ronaldo's numbers were before Christmas. Anyway, uh, Graham, just back to you. Obviously this is a short term plan. Burnley are like, they think they're 14 points clear of the playoff spots in the championship. Mm -hmm. They're coming back up. Ideally, you'd probably think this plays into their hands. If they lose that um, buy option in the Besiktas deal and they can get him back next season, might work for them. Yeah, but Bur Bur Burnley are promoted, didn't they? That's a guarantee. Guarantee for me, Burnley are promoted. Um, um, they're playing so well. Um, got best players in the division. Josh Brownhill, you'll take interest in TC, proving himself as uh, the best 
arguably the best player in the championship is he's been absolutely phenomenal um for Burnley at the moment. But yeah, and, and forget with Burnley getting promoted again, Scott, why wouldn't Vincent Company bring him back to use him? So I don't think uh, Burnley there's a lot of options here for Burnley. I think you know, Burnley and even Vicos himself might have to throw some money into this deal to get it over the line to help United. United might pay some, but it's, it benefits Burnley to steal. I really do think that. And uh, they just have to persuade Besiktas to do it. But yeah, we, we envisage this getting done. Maybe not by the weekend, but yeah, it's uh, it's looking more and more likely every day. It'd be very good if he it was done by Friday midday and he came on in the Manchester derby and scored. That would be brilliant. Uh, especially if it was in a, a win. Anyway, uh, Talking about the summer window, Graham, just quickly on Man United, we've mentioned Harry Kane. What are United looking at here in the summer? Um, yeah, I think it's going to be dependent on where they finish, Scott, you know, and what they can offer at these players. If they finish top four, they, they might very well um, push on for Kane, Ossiman. They can be in the market for them anyway. You can offer them at Champions League football. If With Chelsea, finish... obviously. Yeah, I think Osimhen's a player. That was Chelsea. a joke. Yeah, Osimhen's yeah, a Chelsea. They've liked a lot, and uh, he's number nine. And 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 the Sesco situation is being raised again. And we we did bring this. We up, did this um, two months ago, Graham. I think. Yeah, if not if not before that, where United love this player, as we said, Scott. And and but I did say a lot of some people don't think he's the best forward there, and he isn't getting a lot of first team football at the minute. He's not first choice, is he? Um, at the moment, Sesco. But for that type of player, and it as it's a, it's similar to Veghorst and Halle. If you get the right player in the right formation, it's a very different prospect, isn't it? And I think Sesco is a player who not only United a lot of teams like, and and they are considering offering Leipzig basically to double their money without him ever playing for them. And it's a viable option. It is. Um, he's very young. So I I think of all the ones you mentioned, Kane, Osman, I think Sesco might be the one to watch. Scott, I do. To me, I I think it's Harry Kane. I think if, if Spurs don't get top four, I think. Harry Kane makes mm. way too much sense. I think Bayern Munich um, might have something to say about that. But maybe, yeah, maybe, but I think, uh, well, we'll see. What are Harry Kane's priorities? Does he want to win easy titles or does he want that Prem goal scoring record and resurrect a giant? I don't know. Uh, let's <laughs> let's see. Uh, let's move on uh, to Yusuf Mukoko, who has also been linked with Chelsea. Uh, this is the Chelsea show by the looks of it, but uh, links with uh, Newcastle. Uh, Barcelona have been in the mix as well. Contract situation, which I believe he might be out of contract in the summer with Borussia Dortmund. Uh, who wants to take this one? Well, I'll say it out. Basically, but basically Graham. the thing with him now is a lot of teams with, with these big names, a lot of Premier League clubs especially, don't, are a bit reticent. They've been Lewis Damas, well, Dybala we mentioned on previous show, it, where they think, are we being used here just to get a big deal? Makuku does look like he's definitely leaving now. The the talks are not progressing. He wants two hundred thousand euros a week, which Dortmund tend to save that for like so Hummels and Munier. Adiemi came on the summer, he's on half that. And so and and if he does sign, he wants a release clause. It's looking more and more likely this lad will leave. Eighteen year old, one of the best young forwards in Europe. And yet Chelsea and Newcastle both talked to his people, but we know United have looked before, Scott, they've scouted him. He's going to have a lot of offers, this lad. It does seem from speaking to people behind the scenes that he does have a, a, a liking for Barcelona. And so if they can get an 18-year-old on a free transfer, it's a really interesting one, this one, Makuku. It's it's very un-Dortmund-like to get to this stage with a young player. But it, it's a strange one because he's one who's come through their system. I think he's feeling, from, from what I'm speaking to people, he's feeling a bit unloved where he's seeing other people getting big deals and, and stuff. Um, and so, yeah, I, I'm... Dortmund don't think he's going to sign as we sit here now, and they think they're going to lose him. And yeah, Chelsea, Newcastle, it's one of those. It's like the screen. It's a screener situation. If he's available for, it's a free transfer, like maybe a few hundred thousand compensation. But um, why wouldn't you come in for him? He's a he's a super super talent. Yep, one of the most wanted players in Europe. Most one of the most talented young players in Europe. Graham, uh, this was a Newcastle section. We will do a little bit of Newcastle. Chris Rigg is the apparent. The absolute boy, isn't he, Graham? Yeah, um, I spoke to a scout about this guy about a year ago, and um, obviously in Tahoe World of Scouters because he said he's the nearest thing to Brian Robson he's seen in a long time. Obviously, we say that now. Um, and and my son, my eight year old son, asked me who Brian Robson was, um, depressingly. <laughs> um, but yeah, it, but it, the Brian Robson s because he's a Geordie, 
his new his family at Newcastle through and through. He is Newcastle through and through, which we do believe gives Newcastle the edge. But, but where player, is he, Graham? He's <laughs> well, he's 15. He's at Sunderland. Yeah, he's Sunderland. <laughs> For those made, who don't know. <laughs> he, well, he, as well, he hit the headlines at the weekend because he came on and made these. I think he's the second youngest player of all time for Sunderland, youngest outfield player. He came on in their um, cup tight Shrewsbury, helped them come back to win 2 1. And he's a fabulous prospect. He's, he's, and again, this is a player who Chelsea like, but it's a player who Man United like, Man City. He's got his choice of clubs in England. But being the avid Jordy, his, we think he's going to be heading to Newcastle. For comp for a very small compensation, as is the triple P. Thank you for that. Um, and yeah, it looks like he's heading to Newcastle, but he's going to have his choice of club, Scott. But yeah, want to keep an eye on fifteen-year-old Chris Rigg, midfielder. Irons in the fire. It's a time for Toby to shine. We have a couple, a, a striker hunt, uh, and anything else, Toby? It, take it away. A striker hunt that we touched on last week, and we know West Ham love to revisit old targets. Well, they're at it again. Um, Yusuf in the Serie of Sevilla did very well for Morocco at the World Cup, played all seven of their games, scored a couple of goals as they got to the semi final. Uh, was a target for West Ham a year ago. I think West Ham even had a 30 million euro offer rejected by Sevilla. Um, but he's on the agenda again. He had a Pretty poor season last year for Sevilla. And actually, they're struggling in La Liga as well. I think they're a, a place above the relegation zone. There's a hint that West Ham might try to get him out of Sevilla on a loan um, with an option to buy. But as it stands, not really sure whether or not he's interested in leaving. A bit undecided on what his long-term future might be. But what is clear is that West Ham need more goals. They've only scored 15 in the Premier League this season. They need a bit more support for Skamaka. Antonio seems to have forgotten where the goal is. Um, they need to get more out of Lucas Paqueta. So Terem uh, Moffi is another option. He plays for Lorient in Liga. He scored 10 goals this season. West Ham have been offered the chance to talk to him. Also a target of Southampton uh, and a couple of other Premier League teams looking at him. So West Ham want to try and do something to bolster their squad um, and help David Moyes pull away from a relegation battle and that could even involve bringing in another central defender although why I'm not quite sure West Ham have got a lot of centre-backs on the books um, could be because Craig Dawson wants to relocate still and be closer to his family but we understand West Ham don't want that to happen but there is interest loose interest in Udinese defender Rodrigo Becao among many many centre-backs so there are to use the phrase, irons in the fire, but nothing close at the moment for West Ham, Scott. Oh, Toby. Oh, man. Uh, Graham, you're going to say something. It looks like you're going to. Or shall I move on? Well, I think West Ham... Well, Nick, keep an eye on this, this game we've got coming. Is it Wolves coming up, Toby? The game? Yes. Yeah. It's a huge game for David Moyes, that. Keep an eye on As As I said, alluded to, a lot, a lot of managers under pressure, and he is one of them. He hasn't secured that job just yet, so... um. Yeah, a lot, lot of pressure on Mr. Moyes this weekend. And um, I think that's why you're not, again, the club who are for sale at West Ham and stuff. It's so important they're still. So important for West Ham they're still. Not just for the obvious reasons, but... Well, oh, if, can... if Wolves wasn't a big game, Graham, they've got Everton the week after. So it really is crunch time for West Ham. And then they got Derby in the FA Cup as well. well I, know, I know you don't like to. I know you're a, you're a Moyes in man, Toby, aren't you? So you don't like to raise that to him. For now, but if we lost to Wolves, if we lost to Everton and if Derby upset us in the cup, then decisions might have to be made. Tom, imagine West Ham went down. How much easier would it be for Chelsea to sign Declan Rice? It's just a shame <laughs> that this is the least appealing Chelsea have been while they've been trying to sign Declan Rice and saying he wants Champions League football. And Chelsea have been saying for years, hey, we've got Champions League football. Come to us, come to us. And now the one season that it genuinely might happen, Chelsea might have to be like, oh, Conference League's cool, isn't it? Free box for his family. A couple of free boxes to his Chelsea supporting family. You'll be all right, Tom. <laughs> Would you want Manchester United to forget about Frankie de Jong, Scott? And maybe uh, nah. look at Declan I, Rice. I think I'm still full on full on board with Frankie. I think if if they can if they can do it. I mean, I look at even I put I know United aren't really in the running for Jude Bellingham. Declan Rice as well. I love both of those players, but I think the signing of Casemiro has changed the structure of the midfield a bit and the profile of player that they might need in the midfield. I think Frankie de Jong fits that 
like a glove in terms of what United are lacking in there at the moment. Maybe Declan Rice could do it, but I don't think his exact profile matches up. So I don't, I don't know, Graham, maybe we're overreaching here a little bit, but United still want Frankie de Jong, don't they? Is yeah, which the other targets yeah, yeah. going to... And we'll see where, minutes. yeah, he's going to be someone we talk about in 2023 a lot. We'll see what happens with Barcelona, you know. I think Barcelona are, are going to change quite a bit again this summer. You know, I think they just have to get the financial period out of the way. And um, obviously, our second favourite team after Chelsea in the transfer window, Barcelona will have a few interesting things to do. But yeah, I think De Jong, I do, yeah, I do, I do wonder if this summer is the one. He keep, they keep saying he's not for sale, but as we know, it's all to do with finances. But yeah, I think, I think. Given what Ten Hag's done, I'd love to see De Jong play. I'd love to see what he could do with De Jong and Casemiro. I think it'd be a very interesting, very very interesting midfield with him in it. Yes, indeed. Let's wrap around to Leeds United. There is a club record deal on the agenda, Graham. Yeah, it's come. It's come a bit of out of left field. This one, Jorginho Rutter. Um and not so much the interest in him. He, he's 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 quite highly rated, but the the size of the deal. It, this is a club record. They broke the club record. Was it last in the summer for Brandon Aronson? Thirty-two million euros for him. This one, the overall deal. I'm not sure that the initial fee will be a club record, but the whole deal around thirty-five million euros for this guy who um, looks like a sort of player who Chelsea would be after. He looks like somebody who can play on the right and left or a false nine sort of thing. He looks like a Chelsea target to me. Are we sure? But, Are we sure they're not in? <laughs> well, who knows? But yeah, which leads. Again, they need a central striker, really. I know Rodrigo's had a bit of a purple patch, but he's still not good enough in my eyes. But this Rutter, yeah, obviously he's one who Jesse Marsh knows from his time in Germany. Um, But yeah, he, he doesn't have the best record, Scott, does he, this guy? Is it 2-17? in 17? But obviously they, they're one of the teams firmly in the relegation battle lead, so they think he's the right guy. Um, I said, I haven't seen much of him. But yeah, his um his stats don't do much for me. <laughs> yeah, I think you can ask Sean Walsh about his goal record. Uh, <laughs> yeah. I think he's been going off on on Twitter about it. Last last one to wrap up with uh, Carlos Alcaraz and Southampton. Come back to you, Graham. Yeah, hugely exciting talent. This one, uh, Argentine international, only twelve million euros. Um, so you know, we've seen a lot of the fallout from Brexit has been the EFL can't sign these foreign guys from Europe but the Premier League are loving it they're they're, in, they're entrenched in South America now and we're seeing it's not just the Uniteds and Chelsea's of this world um, but it's it's all the other teams and Southampton are getting this boy it's a, it's incredible value he you know he's going to come in and, and he could make a massive difference he's a huge talent this lad and he's obviously we've seen a lot of South Americans come in stepping stones. We saw Richarlison do it, etc. And it's a it's a cracking move for Southampton. It should be a good move for him. Might be a bit tough for him to hit the ground running in England in January, but for twelve million euros, you know, he, he, we we see the likes of Victor Guy is linked to a Premier League and Ben Bereton Diaz. You know, the clubs are asking twenty million pound for them. So no wonder clubs are looking in South America for players. Uh, I believe they signed Mislav Orsic as well uh, recently as well. So Southampton needs some, they need something because they don't look very good at the moment. Uh, quick, quick uh, wrap around our Southampton doom, Tom. Do you think this will be enough? Sorry to put you on the spot, <laughs> but I had them in my bottom three at the start of the season. See, I was firmly of the belief that Southampton would be good this season. I loved their summer transfer business. Absolutely loved it. And I was waiting for Hasenhutl to, to get the boot because I knew they needed a fun, good manager in to come work with that young talent. And then they brought in Nathan Jones, who is exactly the opposite of what I was looking for. So I think Orsic is an, is an outstanding signing for a club at Southampton situation. I think he could have easily gone to a, another team in the Champions League, let alone fighting relegation. Will it be enough? I Honestly, I don't think so. I think there's there's too many problems there that they need more more new faces in, and I just don't think they can figure it out. We've been rambling for long. I'll get your takes on the uh, potential drops and top fours, Graham and Toby, in future shows. But um, yeah, I think that'll wrap it for today, to be honest. Uh, it's been a Chelsea-heavy talking transfer. Sorry for all the, the sarcastic jokes at Chelsea's expense, but they are spending a lot of money, and I don't understand why or how it's happening. And uh, yeah, get in touch with us at underscore Scott Saunders at Toby underscore Cudworth at Graham Bailey and at Tom got two for all of us. Follow 90min.com and us on all of the 90min social channels as well. 
for the latest transfer news. Uh, we have been Scott, Graham Bailey, Top Cat, Toby Cudworth, and Tom Gott, who's our Chelsea man at 90 Min. Thanks very much for listening, everyone, and we'll catch you very soon for a new Talking Transfers. Bet MGM has an unreal deal for sports fans in Virginia. Turn $5 into $150 instantly when you place your first wager at Bet MGM. Simply download the Bet MGM app and sign up using code CHAMPION150. Then, place a $5 wager on any sport. You'll receive $150 in bonus bets, regardless of your wager's outcome. And if you think the fun stops there, the king of sportsbooks has plenty of surprises in store. Check out daily promotions, same game parlays, live bets, and so much more. Download the app in Virginia today and get $150 in bonus bets instantly from your first wager only at BetMGM. BetMGM and GameSense remind you to play responsibly. See BetMGM.com for terms. 21 plus only. Virginia only. New customer offer. Subject to eligibility requirements. Rewards are non-withdrawable bonus bets that expire in seven days. Please gamble responsibly. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER. Promotional offer not available in Washington, D.C.